Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Jesus Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By Him you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. Giver of every gift, we give you thanks for the privilege of being a part of your family and of giving gifts to be used by your spirit to do your work in the world. Speak to our hearts as you continue to move among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the pastor spoke to a member of the church and asked the member to do a, a job, a task, to fulfill a specific role in the life of the congregation. And the church member said, I don't have the gifts. I don't have the skills. I'm not up to the job. And the pastor replied, I know that if you think we had anybody better for it that I'd be asking you. <laughs> and so the person reflects what I suspect is something that each of us experience at one time or another. There is a task. There is a calling. There is something to do, and we wonder if we have what it takes to get it done. We wonder if we have the skills or the gifts to make it happen. The good news of our passage is that Whatever God calls us to do, we can trust that God equips us, gives us the spiritual gifts to do the work. Paul says to the Corinthians in verse 4, verses 4 and 5, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus, for in every way you have been enriched in Him. Grace in this context certainly includes the amazing grace that cleanses us of sin, but it also includes here the grace gifts, gifts that out of the grace of Jesus Christ, God gives to us in the spirit, spiritual gifts is how Paul refers to them in verse 7. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift. And these words applied to the church at Corinth, I believe. We can apply them to Fifth Avenue Baptist Church. We can apply them to our families. We can apply them to the communities that God puts us in. We can apply them to our own lives. When God calls us to do something, God equips us 
for that task. We are not lacking in any spiritual gift as we go about the work that the Lord has called us to. Now, we've identified that work in some larger vision statements as a congregation. We believe that God calls us, God has made us to be a people who help one another become more like Jesus, who love one another unconditionally, who worship God wholeheartedly, who help people meet Jesus, and who love our hurting world. And under each of those vision statements, we've attached objectives, tasks, action steps that we believe God is calling us to do to fulfill this vision. And to the extent that we have accurately discerned what those tasks are, and it's it's not easy to do that, and we can get it wrong at times, but to the extent that we have faithfully articulated the things that God has called us to do, we can trust that we have also received within our fellowship the spiritual gifts necessary for the work to be done. And so under the, the vision statement of loving our hurting world, we, we have this objective to identify three to five ministry partners uh, places where God is already at work in our community and our objective is to, to come alongside those partners and to work with them and to bring our prayers and our presence and our resources to help that work of God flourish. And so what we've done at Recovery Point, game night at Recovery Point each month, that started out of this, this objective under a vision statement. And it was one of those wonderful moments where where we discern faithfully God's call and we discover that God has given us the gifts to make it happen, to participate in the work. And we are so very grateful for that privilege. The same applies to each of us as individuals and to our families. When we seek to discern the call that God has placed upon our lives, we trust, we know that the spiritual gifts to, to do that work have already been given to us. Now, in the passage, Paul specifies two spiritual gifts that the Corinthians have received. He says in verse 5, uh, you have been enriched in him, in Christ, in speech and knowledge of every kind. And we know that those gifts are being used effectively. God is working through those gifts because in verse 7, Paul says, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, through the use of these gifts and others, the testimony of Christ is strong in their congregation. People see Jesus in them. People are coming to know Jesus through them. The kingdom of God is being furthered. Something good is happening through the use of these gifts, but the Corinthians are far from perfect. They're far from, far from flawless in the use of these gifts. In fact, just as Paul is building them up in this passage by saying, you have what you need to do the work that God is calling you, he's also setting them up for a challenge, uh, an accountability word that he's going to give in the rest of the letter. Because these good gifts of speech and knowledge, some in the Corinthian congregation are using these gifts to build themselves up, to puff themselves up, to say, because I have the gift of speech, I am somehow above others in the church. Or because I have the gift of knowledge, some people are saying. I am set apart in some kind of special way that others are not. And Paul will spend a good chunk of the letter saying, this is not so. This is not so. The, the most familiar part of the entire uh, letter to the Corinthians is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Hear these words with the gifts of speech and knowledge in mind. Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 13, If I speak 
the gift of speech from chapter 1. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging. And then verse 2. Remember, knowledge is the gift that he speaks of in chapter 1. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, there's that gift. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Nothing. Paul celebrates the gifts, speech and knowledge. You're not lacking in any spiritual gift. But he also says, in effect, don't focus on the gift itself. Focus on the gift giver. And it is so easy for the church at Corinth. It's so easy for the church known as Fifth Avenue Baptist. It's easy for any church to so focus on the gifts we've received and the joy we have in using those gifts that we lose sight of the gift giver and we're focusing more on ourselves than we are on God. And so on the one hand, Paul is encouraging us. Fifth Avenue Baptist, we have everything we need to do the work that God has called us to do. But Paul is also cautioning us. The Spirit is cautioning us. Receive these gifts. Use these gifts, as the choir has sung so beautifully. Use these gifts with humility. Use them to point others to Jesus and not to you. Any fans of Charlie Brown in here? The Peanuts cartoon? Do you read the Peanuts cartoon, some of us? In one cartoon, Linus is talking with Lucy, and Linus says to Lucy, Lucy, why are you always so critical of me? Why are you always criticizing me? And Lucy says, I just have the knack for noticing other people's faults. Linus <laughs> quite naturally says, well, what about your faults? And Lucy says, I have the knack for not noticing my faults. <laughs> So the Spirit of God calls us not to notice and major on the faults of others. The Spirit of God calls us to, with humility, examine our lives, know the ways in which we fall short, and seek and receive the presence of the Spirit for us to live more faithfully. Yes, Fifth Avenue Baptist, God has given us everything we need. To be the people we're called to be and to do the work we're called to do. And that's not about how good we are. It's about how good God is. And so the presence of gifts and the use of those gifts in the service of the Lord is about pointing people to Jesus. We're grateful for the gifts and we're grateful for the calling. Paul speaks more to the calling to do the will of God in verses 7 and 8. He says in verse 7, You are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ speaks to the return of Jesus. It speaks to that day when Christ shall judge the world and make it right. When the new creation that has appeared at the resurrection of Jesus comes in all its fullness, it's revealed in all its when the kingdom of God that came near in Jesus and that is with us now through the Holy Spirit, on that day the kingdom will be fully established. The words of Revelation 21 verse 5 will be completed. Behold, I am making all things new. That's the day of his revealing. That's the day that Paul is speaking of. And he says in verse 8, you're waiting for that day. 
But all that he said so far about spiritual gifts tells us that this waiting is not a passive waiting. And it's not about simply getting by until that day. We're not given spiritual gifts as a church so that we can preserve ourselves as an institution in a healthy way. And we're not given spiritual gifts as individuals and as families and as a community just for our own joy and well-being and, and uh, experience of life. We're given spiritual gifts so that we can now, before the day of Christ's revealing, so that we can now reveal some of His grace and draw others into His presence and so that we can further the kingdom now up until that day when Jesus shall fully establish it. The gifts are not about waiting passively and just getting by in a good way until Christ makes all things new. They're about participating in His ministry now. And then verse 8, Paul says, uh, He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we are given all of the gifts we need to do the work we're called to do, and we're given all of the strength that we need to do the work we're called to do. We don't do that work in our own strength, but with the strength of Jesus running through us as a people and as individuals through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now notice Paul says, so that you may be blameless on that day. Blameless in this context does not mean sinless. It does not mean perfection. It instead that over the, the course of our lives, over the course of the life of our community, we are seeking to do God's will. We are seeking to be about the work of God among us and giving witness to Christ and offering ourselves in worship and working for the kingdom. Tomorrow we celebrate the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And on the night before he was assassinated, he gave this wonderful speech in Memphis where he, he talks about how he's seen God at work uh, throughout the civil rights movement. And he talks about the New Jerusalem, uh, which is another way of talking about the revealing of Jesus. He talks about what God is going to do one day. But he also talks about our work as Christians now to bring about a new Atlanta or a new Philadelphia or a new... Memphis, that is, doing the work that God has called us to do with the gifts that God has given us so that people may see Jesus now and His work may be done. And towards the end of that speech, he talks about the death threats that he's received. They've increased. They've always been there, but they've increased up to this point. And he says this, like anyone, I want to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. I just want to do God's will. And he went about doing that, not sinlessly, not perfectly like us. And God was able to work through that effort to do God's will in the same way he'll work through our efforts by the Spirit to do God's will. And wonderful, wonderful things will happen. God gives us Fifth Avenue Baptist all of the gifts we need to do the will of God, and we receive the Spirit to do it. Even when the way seems long, the way seems difficult, the challenges seem great, God gives us the strength to be who we're called to be. Now we arrive at verse 9, and I have a confession. Uh, when I put down the title for this sermon, uh, God has given Fab everything we need. I had in mind these spiritual gifts of which we're talking about in verses 4 and 5 and, and verse uh, 7. It's what I was thinking about. Whatever the challenge Fifth Avenue, and we have great challenges, we've got what we need. 
to do the work. Whatever the opportunity, Fifth Avenue, and there are great opportunities for us. We've got what we need. The Lord has given us what we need to embrace the opportunity. But the more I've studied and prayed through this passage and prepared for this moment today, the more I've realized that I don't think this passage is primarily about the spiritual gifts we've been given. I think it's primarily about the fellowship with Christ we've been welcomed into as his followers. Look at verse 9. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's in this fellowship that we discover that we have gifts. It is through this fellowship that we use the gifts. It's in this fellowship with Christ together that we receive the strength. It's together with Christ that we do the will of God. Notice in verse 2, Paul speaking to the church of God in Corinth, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, they've trusted Him, but he's speaking to the whole church. And then he talks about together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. David focused on that part of the passage in the children's message just a moment ago. We are part of one great big family in Christ. And then as you look through 4 through verses 4 through 9, Paul uses the word you over and over again. It would have been better to use the southern translation and speak of y'all. To read it that way, I give my thanks always to God for y'all because of the grace given to you all and the testimony of Christ coming through you all and the spiritual gifts that you all have received. And then verse 9, the fellowship in Christ in which you all in his name have entered into. Here's where I think he's going. I think he's telling us that we experience Jesus not just in, in our own personal decisions for faith. And we experience Jesus not just in our quiet times with God, alone with God, as significant as those are. But he's telling us that we encounter Jesus together. And we encounter Jesus in the people to whom we go in his name and that we love in his name. And so you come to worship, we come to worship today, not just because it's a good practice that we're in, not just because it's, it's something that will uplift us, but we come together today because we encounter Jesus together. We believe that from every note on the piano and the flute and every word that is sung and spoken, every tithe and offering that is given, and every time, every time, we see each other face to face. Jesus is present. And we are entering into fellowship with Him. And we believe not only that we experience fellowship with Him together in worship, but we even experience fellowship with Him when we engage people who do not know Him yet. For when we love a person in Jesus' name, when we know a person, when we... When we are with them close enough to know their pain and we can walk with them in their pain and in their joy, we believe that Jesus is present in their lives, drawing them to faith, and Jesus is present to us. And we encounter them, and part of our job in helping people to meet Jesus is to help them see Jesus as He moves in their lives and as He interacts in our relationships with each other. Several years ago, someone did a survey, and they asked a question of a bunch of people. 
What are the words you most long to hear? What are the words your heart wants to hear? And of all these responses, it wasn't surprising that the number one response, what are the words you long to hear? I love you. We all long to hear those words, I love you. The second highest response, no surprise there, when asked, what are the words you most long to hear? People said, I long to hear the words, I forgive you. I forgive you. Have you let someone down that you loved before? Have you broken someone's trust before? Have you failed to be the person that you see? When that happens, what do you long to hear? I forgive you. You are forgiven. The first two responses, very predictable. The third response was a surprise. In response to the question, what are the words you most long to hear? First, people said, I love you. We want to hear that. Second, people said, I forgive you. They long to hear that. Third, people said, the words we want to hear are, supper is ready. <laughs> supper is ready. Let's eat. The people who did this survey were all Baptists. They were all Baptists. Supper is ready. And yet Jesus makes all three work at the same time. We come for dinner on Wednesday night at 5. Not just to make it convenient for us to be here for Bible study at 6. We believe that when we sit down to the tables together and we share a meal, that Jesus is present. We believe that when we eat together, we are experiencing our fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul says in verse 9. And as we're, experience, as we're encountering Him, He's taking those spiritual gifts that He's given each of us, that He's blessed the church with, and He's work within us. And then he's sending us out. Tonight, many of us will share homemade desserts that many of you are preparing with the community at Recovery Point. And we will play games, game night, for people in OTS who are just entering the program. It's kind of like a boot camp for a month, necessarily so. Every, every hour is assigned some kind of task. And we are able to bring this moment of rest and fellowship, less pressure, listening to stories, praying, eating, and Jesus will be present. We will encounter him there. The people who know him already and the people who don't know him yet, Jesus will be there speaking to him. We will be a part of this wonderful fellowship where we experience his presence, where we encounter him, and it's in that encounter of the presence of Christ then that the spiritual gifts that we've been given come out and God uses them. And it's then where we receive the strength, all of us, to be the people that we've been called to be. And then two weeks from today, we'll gather in the chapel and we'll gather in the fellowship hall. And we will share the Lord's Supper. And in the Lord's Supper, we will experience those three phrases. Supper is ready. And we'll experience the phrases, I love you. You are forgiven. Tonight at Recovery Point, we'll be able to embody the words. We don't have to say them, but the Spirit is saying them to all who are there. You are loved. You are forgiven. 
Wednesday night at dinner. Supper is ready and the words are floating through the presence of Jesus. You are loved. You are forgiven. Hear the good news, sisters and brothers. God has work for us to do. We are given worth by the privilege of participating with God in the work of Jesus in the world. And we don't have to do this work by ourselves. We've been given great gifts to do it, all the gifts we need. And we are being strengthened to do that work. But it gets even better. The work's not about us, and it's not about our using our gifts well as much as we will try to do that. The work flows, the life flows from this fellowship into which we've been welcomed, fellowship with Jesus who forgives our sins and restores our relationship with God, fellowship with Jesus who unites us with each other and to all who call upon his name, fellowship with Jesus where we encounter one another together and we encounter one another. We encounter Jesus with those to whom God calls us to serve. May it be so for you, for me, for our church, in the name of the one into whose fellowship we've been called and in which we live. Let us pray together. Thank you, O Lord, for the calling you have placed on our church. The calling to be your people in this place and in this community. The calling to help people meet Jesus and the call to, to love this hurting world in your name and to love each other. And we thank you for the spiritual gifts you've given us to do the work. Help us to know those gifts. Help us to discern those gifts. Help us to discern ever more accurately and faithfully your call. And help us to do your will as we wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. But until that day, as we wait and as we do the work and as we do your will, help us to locate ourselves, to anchor ourselves in the fellowship that is ours in Jesus Christ together. We are encountering Jesus now as he walks among us through your spirit. May we continue to encounter him as we sing and as we fellowship. And as we go forth from this place into the week, may we be open to seeing the presence of Jesus wherever we are. May we encounter him and help others to encounter him. May we be, through your spirit, the sweet aroma of Christ to our neighbors and to our community. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We sing a hymn of commitment. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Hymn number 139. And as we sing, as always, I'll stand in front. Whether it's the fellowship hall or the chapel or the sanctuary, we open the doors of our church to receive those who would profess faith in Jesus publicly for the first time and seek to be baptized. You'll have to wait a while we baptize until we're back in the sanctuary, but we'll have that baptism filled the first day we're back in the baptistry.
We invite those who are already followers of Jesus to unite with, with our church. If you're not a part of a church home, or you may simply need to come forward and pray, but all of us, as we sing, let us tend to share and give thanks for the presence of Jesus as we encounter him as he walks among us. Would you stand as we sing?
May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Go forth in the name of the Father who has given us all the gifts we need. Go forth in the name of the Son who lived and died for us so that we might experience the grace of God. And go forth in the name of the Spirit who enables us to encounter Jesus as we love one another and love our neighbors. Amen. Amen.